I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. You know, this 2023 legislative session is in dire need for leadership to protect the water flows of the Great Salt Lake. And unfortunately, right now on KSL Plus, the state of Utah and all of these stakeholders that are working on water together, there is a real intentionality around um, addressing these issues. It's been an issue in the state for decades. Any discussion of stewardship in a desert climate must start with water. We've got to find a way to solve our water problems. And with the most recent shrinking of the Great Salt Lake... We are not going to let that happen. Water has taken center stage. Of course, top of mind for all Utahns is water supply, and in particular, the Great Salt Lake. I'm Matt Rascone, and this week, I talked to two people with two different views about how Utah is doing protecting and preserving this critical resource. The Utah Rivers Council is a 501c3 nonprofit that's been around for 29 years. We're trying to build a sustainable water future for Utah. Zach Frankel is the executive director of the Utah Rivers Council. Most of them are good steps forward. Some of them are really essential leaps forward. But the good bills that we really need are not being passed. And so what we're getting is some nominal bills that are just tiny little baby steps that don't really help us get water into the Great Salt Lake. Do any of those bills stand out? So let me talk about our two priority bills because we've been working on them for several months. So it's time that we set a goal that we can work towards and and celebrate when we get there. Uh, And this resolution will establish an official goal to raise the lake level to at least 4,198 feet. The biggest problem that we have at the Great Salt Lake is there is no goal. There's no established plan to restore the Great Salt Lake. Everybody wants to save the Great Salt Lake, but if we don't define what that means, then any direction will get us there because we don't know where we're going. So we need to set an elevation goal for the Great Salt Lake where we say we're trying to raise the lake back up to that level. So SCR 6, sponsored by Senator Bloon, would establish 4,198 feet as the elevation goal for the Great Salt Lake. That's about 8 feet higher than it is today. 
And that's elevation we chose because that's what the science says is the minimum healthy level for Great Salt Lake, 4,198 feet. Unfortunately, that bill has been tabled in committee and it looks like it's stuck in Senate Natural Resources. So the state house is refusing to hold itself accountable for what restoring the Great Salt Lake means. In a sense, we're just bystanders as a state watching the lake drop. And although there's lots of lip service about how we care about the Great Salt Lake, we're lacking the substantive goal that would allow us to create a plan as a state and figure out how much water we need to deliver to the Great Salt Lake every year. So HB 286 is also stuck in committee, and HB 286 is a really important bill. We're not going to save the Great Salt Lake with tweets and press conferences. We're going to save the Great Salt Lake with new policies and a permanent funding source to provide water for the lake. And HB 286 would generate $300 million by shifting an existing sales tax to acquiring water rights for the Great Salt Lake's water levels. Unfortunately, HB 286 is stuck in committee. Um, HB 286 would not require new sales tax increases. And what is happening right now is that the Utah legislature passed a bill six years ago that takes $60 million of Utah's sales tax money and puts it into a construction fund to advance Bear River development, a diversion of the largest water source to the Great Salt Lake. So instead of funding acquiring water for the Great Salt Lake, what we are funding is diverting the waters of the Great Salt Lake. And that's got to change if we're serious about restoring the Great Salt Lake. And that's what Utahns really want. They want to see their legislators get serious about raising the water levels of the Great Salt Lake because they're tired of lip service and claims that they're going to save it. We really need to get serious and establish a goal to do so. How do you explain the, just from your perspective, the gap you know, between what's being said and what's being done or not being done? That's a really good question, Matt. And in some ways, that's the most important question. Um, you know, I think Utahns forget that there are literally dozens of water lobbyists inside the state house that are controlling what's happening, what legislation passes and what legislation fails. And those water lobbyists are working for interests that are profiteering from the diversion of the Great Salt Lake's waters. It's not just that legislators are in a vacuum making decisions. Legislators are in a very busy, hectic environment, and there are some 30 or 40 water lobbyists that are mucking up the decision-making because those water lobbyists are not elected into office and they don't represent the people of Utah. They represent these private profiteering interests that have been discouraging water conservation in Utah for 20-plus years. Now, there has been some, some good news. You know, the Great Salt Lake... I believe has gone up uh, a little bit. And um, I mean, is are there good things that you're seeing um, either leading up to this session or, you know, uh, that aren't just, uh, that don't just come in the form of press conferences and, 
uh, lip service, as you say. There's two really great things happening in Utah. And the first, of course, is a really big winter snowpack. All this precipitation is is letting us kind of catch our breath and really get to work on finding solutions to bring water to the lake. So this year so far has been a break from the previous two years of drought snowpack where we have really low snow flows. Uh, everything on that incidentally is a function of what happens in February, March, and April. Hopefully we'll stay kind of cold and keep our snow. Hopefully those next three months won't be really warm and see our snowpack shrink and get small. We, we need to keep the precipitation pipeline coming. And if it does, then we can expect the Great Salt Lake to come up several feet in elevation, which would be great. The second great thing in Utah, over the last few years, Utahns have really come to the table and expressed their strong desire to see our rivers and streams, and especially the Great Salt Lake, have a future here in Utah. They really want to see water in our rivers and lakes. And that's one of the brightest spots we've got in Utah is that the people have really spoken and they've said, we want to protect the Great Salt Lake. Unfortunately, the state house has only taken baby steps that other states took 20 years ago to reduce water use. We're still the country's biggest per person municipal water user. We have the least expensive water rates in the country. Instead of running property tax phase out bill, to reduce the tax that Utahns are paying on their housing, businesses, and automobiles to lower the price of water. That bill has been watered down and is effectively meaningless again. So our legislators are lacking the courage to follow the conviction that Utahns have expressed, asking that we coexist with our incredible legacy of rivers and lakes that we are so blessed with here in Utah. You know, when we talked in the past, uh, um, a big uh, big talking point as well has been metering and that just contributing to just the fact that it's not happening, you know, in, in a lot of places, contributing to the amount of water we use and, you know, people feeling like this isn't a desert. I mean, you, you drive around, it's not like you're in Nevada where, you know, you look at landscapes there and, and it's more rock formations and things like that. Um, but there is a, a bill in that that was passed, correct? That would change that in in the in the coming years. Yeah. So last year, the legislature passed a bill that gave these wasteful secondary water users eight years to install meters, and so that's a really long time frame to even just know how much this wasteful water use is uh, actually using. So that's not great that we have to wait seven more years before we know how much water that sector is wasting. That secondary water use is the most wasteful kind of urban water use in the United States. And Utah is the biggest supplier of secondary water in the country. So instead of acting quickly to meter that use, legislators kicked the can down the road and waited almost a decade before we're going to have meters on those wasteful secondary water users. There's a bill this year, SB 119, that is a really bad bill that puts a gag order on water use and prevents us from even speculating how much water is being wasted in that secondary water use. SB 119 makes it illegal for water suppliers to estimate water use that isn't metered. 
And so what's happening now is the state house has started passing bills that represent essentially just propaganda efforts to hide how Utahns waste water. And it's disturbing. SB 119 has already passed the Senate, and now it's in the House. It's being run by the Jordan Valley Water District, which is proposing one of the largest new water diversions in the United States, Bear River Development. And what's happening is these water suppliers are embarrassed about the fact that Utahns are the most wasteful water users in the country. And the reason is because those water suppliers, those water districts specifically, are the ones that employ the most lobbyists, and they've created a system to encourage water waste. And because there's been so many good reporters that have been criticizing our high water use, the water districts are just tired of being criticized for wasting water. So now they've made it illegal to report certain kinds of water use. It's a crazy bill. It's a totally opposite of what's being done in the rest of the country for measuring water use. So Utah's created a new kind of algebra to hide the fact that we are the failing student in the United States for wasting water. And the the root problem that we've got in the Utah legislature is there's too many water lobbyists that are preventing progress, and there's not enough of the Utah public voicing their concern to ensure the Great Salt Lake gets protected for future generations. The Great Salt Lake, in in your view, that that is the problem and that's the solution in Utah. Poll after poll after poll has shown that a majority of Utahns really, really want to see the Great Salt Lake protected. And coming into this 2023 legislative session, many of us were really hoping to see the State House make some substantive leaps forward to protect the lake. Unfortunately, halfway through the legislature, we're not seeing those bills come out of committee. We're seeing some bold ideas that are not going anywhere. And we're seeing press conferences and a lot of lip service about how everything's going to be fine. You know, the ultimate measurement of success of the state house is the lake itself. And I think what's happening is our big snowpack has created a sense among legislators that they don't really need to act very, very seriously to restore the lake. And unfortunately, this year's snowpack is not likely to continue again and again and again in the future because climate change is shrinking our snowpacks and reducing our flows. This long-term drought that we're in is likely not going to end. Just because we have one good year doesn't mean we're going to win. It's kind of like a gambler in Las Vegas who, who gets one good roll of the dice but the rest of the time has been losing his paycheck with every bet he places that's what's happening in the state house right now and in utah our rivers and lakes are shrinking and the great salt lake is in a crisis and needs emergency leadership from the state of utah utahns need to be wide-eyed about the fact that our legislators are not acting as aggressively as we need 
to address the Great Salt Lake. And if they're not going to act, we're going to need to find new leaders that really do want to save the Great Salt Lake and not just be in a press conference being quoted as saying as such. Are there any other takeaways, things that uh, that Utahns or legislators should be thinking of and, and taking away from this legislative session? And, and what? Yeah, I would say this, you know, our current generation of Utah legislators really need to ask themselves if they want our streams and lakes to coexist for future generations or not. And they need to be transparent with their constituents about what they believe. If Utah legislators don't want to raise the Great Salt Lake, they should just say so so that constituents can decide for themselves what their own belief system is. But right now, if we judge this state house for its interest in restoring the Great Salt Lake, it's not getting passing marks. Our student is failing to restore and raise the levels of the Great Salt Lake. And we can't just rely upon Mother Nature to solve the problems that we have failed to address in previous State House sessions. Great to see you, Matt. My name is Laura Briefer, L-A-U-R-A. Laura Briefer is the director of the Salt Lake City Department of Utilities. She also serves on the Utah Water Task Force, offering expert advice to lawmakers on legislation impacting water. How would you describe the state of Utah's water and the needs coming into this legislative session? I guess I would say that the state of Utah's water, you know, we've always been in an arid and semi-arid environment uh, throughout the state of Utah. And as we're seeing our population grow and we're seeing impacts from climate warming, for instance, and also impacts of uh, what we've come to know as a mega drought here in the state, uh, you know, I think I think what we're seeing is a lot more awareness and a lot more action surrounding solving water problems and water issues and also creating opportunities. And and I'll also say this this isn't just with policymakers on state, local, and local and even federal levels. Uh, it's also with the general public. You know, we, we see a lot more awareness, a lot more of a water ethic in our general public. So uh, the state of water in Utah, I think, is always evolving. And I think we're shifting to a time right now where uh, we are seeing a a really great water ethic uh, that's been emerging. And the other thing that I've noted uh, over the last few years is a a real deliberate effort to have a lot of collaboration um, amongst different stakeholders, public and private, uh, and different levels of government in order to to solve water issues. So that collaboration, I think, is really just a key element of change that we've, we've been witnessing and experiencing, and it's really positive. What would you attribute that collaboration and that, you know, the greater emphasis and focus on water issues uh, from the general public and then policymakers? 
Well, I think that, you know, we've been experiencing this really intense drought here in the state of Utah, but we've also been seeing it across the Intermountain West and the Western United States. And there's not a day that goes by where water issues in some part of the West doesn't make the front page of a newspaper or isn't on the radio or the news. And so there's just a lot of public information out there regarding water. And people are paying attention to that. And they are asking state leaders and city leaders and others to be accountable with respect to how we manage water. And that's that's a really good thing. So one of the things I would attribute to this collaborative approach and this public awareness is that there's just a lot more information in the public uh, sector around water. Um, that's a little bit different than, you know, a few years ago, 10 years ago, water is often out of sight and out of mind. Uh, we don't always, we, we turn on our tap and see it come out of our tap. We don't always see where it comes from and what, what uh, treatment processes or conveyance processes happen to get it there. And I think people are a lot more aware of that. With respect to this, this increasing collaboration, I would attribute that to, number one, the public's very interested in the issue and has definitely been asking all of us to be very accountable on the issue. And number two, it really has to do with the people. And we just have a really great um, group of people at all levels of government right now and in the private sector and nonprofit sector that are willing to roll up their sleeves and work together. It's not a partisan issue, you know, and uh, water affects us all. And, you know, the, the working relationships are just phenomenal in large part because people are willing to come to the table and talk things through and have good policy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit more. I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, heading into this legislative session, there were press conferences, there was the, you know, the governor's uh, state of the state and, uh, and a lot of just focus on, hey, we're not going to let the Great Salt Lake dry up. We, we want to focus on just making sure that we are uh, on top of uh, the water problems in Utah and water conservation, putting more funding towards it. Um, is there, uh, are there specific efforts, uh, legislation or things that, that stand out in your mind uh, that could potentially make a difference? Yeah. Uh, right now I'm following more than 40 pieces of legislation. Uh, some of them that are very directly related to water issues and some of them that might have some indirect relationship, but that's, that's a lot. <laughs> and, um, and there are a lot of really good bills out there. And I'll say, I, I just noted a few, this is not to say that this is by any means, all of the, all of them, but uh, we have, you know, water efficiency amendments. We have two bills, one um, House Bill 267 uh, with Representative Owens as the sponsor and one Senate Bill 118 with uh, Senator Sandel as the sponsor. Uh, two bills that have really good language in there regarding water efficiency. Um, and, you know, those I would I would follow and watch. Um, the Water Infrastructure Funding Study, this one is uh, Senator McKay, SB 34. And if you might remember, this study follows on the uh, discussion about using property taxes for water. And what I really like about this bill is it seeks to get 
representative parties, stakeholders together to really dig into financing water infrastructure. What does it take? What do we need? What is the best approach for us? So I like that deliberate approach on a really big issue there. Um, Senator Sandal also has uh, Senate Bill 76, and that is just following on last year's legislation about better integration of land use and water. Um, so there's some good language in there. But really the big picture, again, I'll just repeat these bipartisan efforts to improve collaboration, address Great Salt Lake, um, and, you know, improve conservation and an ethic around water. I think just there's a lot out there this year that's really great. The state of Utah and all of these stakeholders that are working on water together, there is a real intentionality around um, addressing these issues. And, you know, policy work can take some time, especially in water. Water is one of those policy areas where if you try to solve one problem on one side, you might unintentionally create another problem in another area. And so this this intentionality and this commitment to working together and coming up with good policy, I think, is something to be really, really hopeful about. Um, I think there's always more that we can and should do with respect to water. And what I'm seeing right now is there's just so much momentum that paves the way for us to do that. Um, you know, a lot of breaking down barriers and just a lot of great momentum towards water policy. I am. I am happy. We're at 185% snowpack for the Great Salt Lake drainage, which is just awesome. We weren't really expecting that after the last 20 years we've had. So it's good to be on this side of it for once. There were a couple um, just last week that uh, ended up being tabled during committee, including one, I believe, that would um, set a goal for the Great Salt Lake, like an actual level, you know, for us to get to. That was in the form of a resolution. Uh, uh, Nate Bluen uh, put that forward. Uh, and yes, I... From Salt Lake City's perspective, we were supportive of that concept. Uh, I think it probably needs, you know, more discussion, it sounds like, because people had concerns about it. And that's that's a really good thing. I'm sure that that topic will come out again in the interim session after we get through this legislative session. And to back up, I'll just say that the legislative session, the 45-day le legislation session, particularly on water, um, usually is predicated by one, two, three years of working on some of these policy issues. So uh, an idea or concept about setting a Great Salt Lake level, I think, is something that I would expect to see coming back to us to discuss as a group of stakeholders in the legislative session. Uh, were there any, any other specific bills that you felt like were worth um, mentioning? I know that you, you're following, you know, dozens of them. Um, but uh, that that you feel like uh, the maybe the general public should be aware of. You know, there are a number of bills out there related to to water rights administration, and I would say that uh, those bills are are really good in terms of um, allowing the state engineer and our state division of water rights to administer water rights in a way that's supportive of. Um, anything from water conservation to Great Salt Lake to um, our our um, participation in Colorado River issues. So those sometimes, um, because it's because water rights law is not something that people normally follow unless you're deep into it, like I am. 
you know, the public may not necessarily uh, see those. They they don't look as um, as sexy, but but those are important um, important pieces of legislation. I also just want to step back and say that uh, earlier you asked about my role in policy and up on the hill, mm-hmm. and I'm coming from the perspective of a city, and I try to bring you know the the perspective that cities have on water policy, which sometimes might be different than other areas of the state um, or other stakeholders. And so, you know, I'm I'm letting you know what I see from a city perspective. Right. And there may be others who have some other thoughts or opinions about a, a lot of these. As you look at the list of of what's happening and uh, an elaboration that you've seen, are there pieces that are missing from the conversation right now that uh, you either hope will come up this year or will come up next year? Well, I think I think you hit on one of them. I think establishing um, a level for Great Salt Lake is that wasn't missed this year. Um, the resolution that was put out there, I think, uh, will jumpstart that conversation. I think that's a necessary conversation that we'll need to have. I think we're going to need to continue to work on issues related to uh, water distribution. Um, you know, one of the things about getting water to, to Great Salt Lake, for instance, is um, let's say let's say a community like Salt Lake City conserves a lot of water. Um, how do we, how can we get that quantity of conserved water to Great Salt Lake? That's that's an issue called shepherding uh, the water, and so that's something that we'll be continuing to work on. Um, over the the next year, um, it's that's it's very complex, and I think um, there are already people that are are getting around the table to talk this through. Um, Great Salt Lake is an urgent and existential issue, and I think there are a number of bills out there this year to get at that issue. Um, I I think one of the criticisms that could be put out there and maybe already has is. Is it enough? Is it enough soon enough? And um, that's that's a question that we're going to continue to be talking and working about, I know, as a community of water providers and water managers. Um, so uh, there's always more to do, like I said earlier, and um, but there are a lot of bills out there right now, which I think represents this momentum that's been built in our state with our state leaders and with others. When when we think of water conservation and those things, you know, that it's, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I can take shorter showers or I can, you know, not leave the water running. But there are there are other things that are happening that can be happening that go beyond, you know, just what you do in your own home that people should be aware of and, you know, just sort of be a part of the solution, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I will put a big plug in right now for civic engagement because it's not just policy that's specific to water that affects water. Um, it is also policies around land use and growth um, and you know those are types of things that come up in civic conversations all the time at you know city levels county levels state levels um, I'd like to see more integration of land use and water you know 
the momentum on that to continue. But, you know, as a as a resident, as a member of the public, I think keeping an eye on those types of uh, actions that a local government or state government takes, I think that's really important because that could ultimately impact water resources now and in the future. Um, the other thing that, you know, you mentioned some things that, that people can do in their own homes. I, I think that's really, I, I don't want to dismiss that because I think that's really important. Um, water in our state is really a collective action and it's important for us not to be looking over our shoulder and saying, well, I'm doing this, but how come this person isn't, you know, doing the same thing or, you know, we all have a responsibility. It's, um, it is a, a shared resource. And so, you know, it really does start at home. Uh, one other thing I'll mention is, and this is near and dear to my heart, but, you know, on the Wasatch Front, so much of our water supply comes from our local Wasatch Mountains. And there are a lot of conversations right now about challenges in those mountains, whether it's, you know, a lot of traffic or recreation demand and, and other things and, or, or forest management. And I would say it's important for people to pay attention to what's happening there because um, we want to make sure that what we do propose for the future of our Wasatch Mountains um, is done with in the context of recognizing how important those mountains are to our water supply and we don't do not want to damage that um so sometimes people may not recognize that link between decisions we're making in the headwaters of our watershed to what happens with water policy overall there was quite a bit of funding allocated for for metering particularly for secondary water and metering is really important actually Measurement of the entire system is really important. So we definitely want to meter the water that's used and um, and that should be a priority. And we also need to make sure we understand, particularly in the Great Salt Lake Basin, um, maybe improve our understanding, I should say, of all of the inflows that are going to Great Salt Lake, where they're coming from, how much, and, also, and then metering the diversions. Um, that otherwise would go to Great Salt Lake. So all of those measurements are extremely important to inform um, effective policy uh, going forward. There is a bill out there around how we calculate uh, gallons per capita per day. So. Um, one of the thing, one of the issues that we have is it's hard to compare Utah's water use with other Western states' water use because um, most other areas calculate gallons per capita per day um, by subtracting water that's returned into the environment. So, so for instance, for Salt Lake City, that would mean that we track how much water people use, and then we would subtract the effluent out of our sewer treatment plant as being returned to the environment and then calculate gallons per capita per day. The state right now doesn't take that return flow into account, so it makes that um, overall water use look really large compared to some other communities that calculate it differently. And there's a bill out there to um, change the way the state calculates that to be more in line with other states. It is SB 119. Senator McHale, yes. Uh, that said, 
there's a lot more that Utahns across the state can and should be doing in terms of water conservation. We really need to um, reduce our, our water use through changes in landscape, you know, through efficiencies and, and other things. And um, and so, yes, we need to get that that number down for our state. Okay. So you, do you see that as like a necessary thing or is that just sort of a let's change the way we measure it so that we can feel a little bit better about ourselves or how, how do you see that? I think that's a really good question. Um, I, I see it as as necessary in that it helps us better. If we're going to benchmark against other communities, that helps us do, do so in a more apples to apples way. Um, but, you know, benchmarking against other communities is not the most important thing. I think we need to continue to really look deeply into our water use and make sure that we actually what I wouldn't want to see that change um, do is to give the impression that we don't need to conserve more because we do. Um, and and you know, for instance, for Salt Lake City, we're not going to change our gallons per capita per day uh, calculation. The state, the state will. We maybe we'll look at both to see you know what would it be using the way we've always calculated it versus using the new methodology. But um, it's going to come with a strong message that we still need to conserve more. This is a topic we'll continue to cover and follow as the legislative session winds up in the coming weeks. That does it for us this week on KSL Plus. I'm Matt Rascone. We'll see you again next week. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.